maybe? No? Hello, Jesus. All right. Amen. It's good to be here this morning. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, uh, verses 1 and 2. Just a couple of verses there. Uh, the Christmas season is upon us. I am... Uh, I'm so, so uh, happy. Uh, this is a, a happy time of year. Sometimes, uh, as uh, Pastor Danny brought out a couple weeks ago, for, for many of us, it, it becomes depressing and overbearing, over, uh, overwhelming. And uh, so we want to pray for, for one another. Um, and, uh, but this, this morning, I'd like to read something, and, it, and hopefully in response to that, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And I'm reading from the New International Version in case you have a different version of the Bible. This is what it says. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Father God, I pray that through these simple words that we might gain an understanding of, of how you are moved, how you are moved, Lord Jesus, to people, how you are moved to meet their needs and to prepare others to meet the needs of those that are hurting. And I pray, Father God, that these words will find um, a place to lodge in the hearts of your people this morning. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to talk about happiness. If that's okay with you, I'd like to talk about happiness. Happiness is an extremely elusive term. In other words, it's, it's hard to get a handle on, hard to define. You can ask five, six, 20 people what it means, and you might have 20 different answers as to what people say happiness really is. Especially today, hard to define what happiness is today. We, we live in a culture today, in a society today, that uh, trains us never to be satisfied right where we are, with who we are, with what we have, right? The, the society that we live in today it's always, always challenging us to get more or to have more or that we can become better or, or to look better. Uh, that if we have more stuff, that we'll be better off. Products that are built today are built not to last. Products that are built today are built so that you have them for a season until the new one comes out, right? It'll last you a year, and then next year, the manufacturers will improve on last year's model, which simply says that we didn't build it good enough last time, that things will get better. We'll, we'll do better next year, and, and, and they'll charge you, uh, you know, last year's rate. We're going to charge you a little bit more next year, but unless you have next year's model, you're simply not good enough. In order to stay up with everyone else, you need to buy next year's model. So just, just get ready. So we have this mindset that we are never satisfied, never arrived. So they change things just enough so that what you bought last year is obsolete. It's an effort, a deliberate effort 
to make us feel unsatisfied, to be discontented, right? Un, unfulfilled. And so we live with this unfulfilled sense of, of existence. You, you can go out and buy everything there is to, to, that, that the world offers. You can buy you know, uh, as much as you can and still not be happy. And so th this idea of happiness is elusive. It's, it's hard to get, it's hard to define, but also hard to find. And it's a routine that we've been caught up since birth. You know, we, we've been bombarded with commercials. You think of all, all the commercials we've seen since we were born. It's a routine that we're in. It's, it's an insidious routine that you need this. You got to have this. You don't have this, or you're not beautiful. If you don't have this, you, you're, you're, not, you're not hip. You're not in. You're not, uh, you know, what's wrong with you? And it's a deceptive, insidious routine that we've been caught up in. Very deceptive. It, uh, it, it's the new gospel. It's the gospel of the free market society. It, it is a new gospel. It's like we've entered into a new garden of Eden. But this new garden of Eden, it's not a tree of knowledge that, that we can't eat from. It's the tree of happiness that we can't eat from. You can have everything in the world, but it still won't make you happy. And the, and the, and the tree of happiness is forbidden. Happiness is the one thing, the one product, if you can call it a product, it's the one commodity that all of these producers cannot produce for you. Can't find it in the malls, can't find it online, right? You, you see it in the commercials, all right? If you buy my product, you'll be happy. If you buy this, you'll be happy. There was a KFC commercial. Right, a whole family, three generations, the older folks, they had the, you know, the mom and dad and the little kids, and they all sat down around a bucket of chicken, man. Happy. I mean, it was like, man, it was like all of the marriage problems went away. There, the, the, there was nobody was on their phone texting. It was like this moment matters to us. This moment gathering around a bucket of chicken makes us happy. Everybody had a smile on their face. There were no, you know, you didn't see any like past due bills on the table or nothing. I was like looking on the commercial up on my TV trying to, they have no problems in this household, right? The commercial shows an instant happiness once that bucket was brought out. Everybody was free to sit at the table, just happy. Right? You want to be happy by a bucket of chicken. That is the message. That when you look at it from a critical frame of mind, a, a critical mind, a, a, one that investigates this, what is being suggested here, if you buy a bucket of chicken, it will heal your family. It will make you happy. Miracles will happen with a bucket of chicken. Right? Marriage problems, get the five piece. But if you want your family together, three generations together at the table at the same time without a phone, you need to buy a 21-piece bucket and you'll be all right, right? So, so, you know, whenever Debbie gets out of hand, I just whip out a wing or something. I just keep, keep a drumstick or something handy. You know, there's wham, there you go. <laughs> Happy, looking for happiness. Pastor Kevin, why are you talking about all this stuff? This isn't what this passage is about. But I believe it is. I believe it is. Not about chicken. 
but I believe it's about happiness. If you were to read the end of chapter 4 right here in the Gospel of Matthew, and, and for, for some strange reason, our Bibles are broken up into verses and chapters, and it was done, you know, not too many years ago, but it was done for, you know, reference sake, that we can find things better. But that story is connected to this story. At the very end of chapter 4, um, Jesus was among multitudes of people that were hurting people that were broken, people that were searching, people that had tried this thing and that thing, had been to this place and that place, and were unsatisfied, unfulfilled, hurting, searching, broken, lonely people. And Jesus dwelt among them. Jesus talked to them. Jesus healed them. And after healing broken people, after hanging out with messed up people, he gathered his disciples to have a sit down with them. Let me talk to you about what the world needs today. That was the circumstances going on. Let me, let me read just a couple of verses from the last chapter. Verses 23, beginning there, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people, right? He started out in the synagogues, in the places where, where religious communities gathered together. In verse 24, news about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain, hello somebody, anybody su suffer severe pain? Uh, migraines and back aches and foot pain and leg pain and all kinds of pain. Those suffering severe pain, let's take them to Jesus. The, the demon possessed. Hello, somebody. Anybody, you know, you, the voices and whoo, what was that? I, I told you the story about the time my son was like crying, said, you know, my teddy bear is moving. True, true story. He, he was crying. This is years ago. And, and, and my, my teddy, I think my teddy bear was moving, you know, come pray. And I came up there with, you know, I'll pray, you know. Demon ain't got nothing on me, you know. I walked up all confident and, and I start praying, walking around the room, you know, Father, you know, and, and praying. Now, what I had forgotten is I had, you know, months before I had bought him one of those little airplanes that fly around the room, you know, those, that you put a string in the ceiling and, and, and there's like a little hook and, and just kind of flies around. The room. Well, he had taken the airplane off, but the string was still there, you know. And I'm walking around and I'm praying confident, you know, just relax. I, I got this. I got this. And I'm walking. Then that little hook thing touched my ear, <laughs> you know. Well, I was screaming like, you know, ah! <laughs> No, that didn't happen. <laughs> The demon possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed, and he healed them, the Bible says. And he healed them. The, you know, people who heard him, those that came and they heard Jesus preaching and they said, you know, man, hey, I have a cousin. I have a neighbor. I have a nephew. You know, they, they, they have these issues. Let's take them to Jesus. And when it describes them as demon-possessed, some of those are categories we don't even know. What are the categories of the demon-possessed?
How are people tormented by de- It could be a number of things. They brought them all to Jesus, and the Bible says that he healed them all. Verse 25, large crowds from Galilee, right? Not, not just uh, Galilee, but Syria. Now, it, it, means, it mentions here Galilee, then the Decapolis. That is a region of 10 cities, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. That's what it says. And it was from this context, it was from this situation that Jesus began to teach his disciples. It was after seeing the true nature of the multitudes. It was after experiencing the reality of their hurt. This is where people really are. It was after seeing the problems that they face. These are the things people are dealing with right now. The real concrete problems that are, that are being faced in the streets of our city. This is the reality. This is the context from which he spoke. After dealing with the pains, unresolved issues. He wasn't preaching just because he was, you know, just, you know, had an opportunity to preach. He was preaching because he dwelt among people. He got a firsthand experience, a feel, a knowledge of what was happening, the unresolved hurts, the issues. He was preaching from a place, an experience. Before they had iPhones, before they had buckets of KFC, right? Jesus came to make them happy, to give them happiness. After seeing the multitudes of people in the condition that they were in, he gathered his disciples on the mountain to teach them, right? And this is what they call the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, El Sermon del Monte, right? The Sermon on the Mount. This is the context. This was the whole reason of the gathering. And if you read the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus repeatedly says, blessed, blessed, right? Blessed are they who mourn. Blessed are they who are meek. And that word blessed, and you can search it up, look it up. It really means happy. The word is happy. And it kind of blows my mind. Like, how are they happy? It's translated uh, uh, to be blessed, but it, 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 the word was really happy. Makairos was the, word, the Greek word. And it's a word rarely used in the, in the Bible, but it means to be happy, to be content, to be satisfied, to be fulfilled. Fulfilled are the poor in spirit. After having walked through the multitudes, man, bring, empty the households, empty the neighborhoods, bring them all to me. I have something for them. And now he's able to say with confidence, happy are those who mourn. Happy are the meek. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Happy are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. He goes on and says, rejoice. And be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets, uh, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's when we come to the end of ourselves. 
It's this group, this multitude of people that Jesus just experienced, that he's relating this process, this whole, uh, this, this understanding to his disciples. It's when we come to the end of ourselves. It is when we've searched it all out. It's when we've tried everything and we have not found happiness. Happiness becomes elusive to us in relationships. Happiness is elusive to us in, in, in the products that we buy. When nothing satisfies, we come to Christ. And happy are those who have been mourning, those who have been burdened, those who have been persecuted. When we've stopped trying to fix our situations with buckets of chicken, right? When we stop trying to fix our loneliness online with matchmaking, on services, with strangers we don't know. It's when we come to the end of ourselves and come to Christ. Happy is the man or the woman who have tried everything. And then they realize that I need to bring my brokenness to Jesus. Those people are happy. Go to the Decapolis. Go to Galilee. You'll find some happy people. Go, to, go, go, go ask them, the ones who have searched everything, the ones that their friends and neighbors and mothers brought to me. They've tried everything. Here, here use this. Try this. Go to this website. They've tried everything, and nothing made them happy. But happy are the worst of them that come to Jesus. Something happens when we come to Jesus. Once they realize that having the latest gadget is empty, there's no virtue in it, there's no promise of happiness in it, next year there'll be a new product that claims to be much better than last year's, then why don't you just wait until you figure it all out and then sell it, you know? No, you just buy it each year, buy it each year but there's no promise of happiness. But these people are happy. When you truly are happy, you don't need to buy anything. It's when we're depressed, we all, I'm gonna go shopping, you know? People that are depressed go out and spend money. When you're happy, when you're content, when you're satisfied, you don't need to buy anything. It changes things, right? But this desire for longing, it becomes a self, it becomes a monster inside of us. And it, and it generates a spirit of accumulation, an appetite that can never be satisfied. We're always wanting, always wanting, always wanting. And the commercials that show these family connections and happiness, there are commercials that show, man, if you got the wrong insurance, you can't find a girlfriend, right? If you, get, if you don't have the right insurance, man, your car is all broken down. But when you have the right insurance, man, you have a better car. And then you relationships all over the place, you know? You get the right insurance, you'll be hooked up, right? That's what the commercials tell us. And, and you know what's, what's, what's a trip is that they're tapping into a very real human need. Relationship is a human need, a, a real human need. Everybody needs to be loved. Everybody needs to be a, a part of something made to feel valued and, and a part to be, to be happy. And it's this reality that they, that they tap into that, and they show families together around a bucket of chicken or, 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 or a man finding a soulmate because he bought the right insurance. And they tell you what you really need and they, and they, and they use a, a lie to get you to buy what they're selling. How do you build family connections? How do you find friendship? 
How do you find romance with the right person that God has for you? Do, do, you, do you search for that person in this place or that place? That's right, Jesus. And this is the message that he taught the disciples. After having walked among the multitudes, he's not preaching from a commentary. He's not preaching from some books or this idea or this or that. He walked among the people and said, come here, disciples, let's sit down. I need to tell you something about what it is to be happy. That's what's happening here. Before the iPhone, before KFC, Happiness has been studied scientifically. You know, and they say that they came up with two ways to try and, try and talk about what happiness really is. They found two ways, two definitions. The first one, they said, is, is objective. It's, it's kind of like this social uh, understanding, a worldly, you can call it worldly, but it's, it's a, an objective. Let's kind of look at what would make people happy. And so it has to do with having all the right stuff. And so they had lists of things. Right? Observations and things. So they said, well, if they have good health and you check that off, they have, um, you know, um, you know a, a job, maybe you check that off. And they had all this list of, of things that they could check off. And, and, and they discovered that people had all that stuff and still weren't happy. So you could check off everything on the list. And still that happiness is elusive. So it's got to be something else. There's something more to happiness. And there are those people without a single item on the happiness list who were happier, more content, more satisfied, better off, and at peace more than the person who has everything. Happiness is something different, something else. Happiness goes hand in hand with contentment. When you're happy, you're content. You don't need to go out and buy stuff when you're happy. So it's different. In fact, they found that happiness is different than pleasure. A person can experience pleasure and not be happy. There are all kinds of things that are pleasurable, yet they don't make you happy. In fact, you can be sitting in a dentist chair and experience displeasure and still be happy. Happiness is something more, hard to define, hard to get a handle on. It's elusive and it's difficult to describe. It's not what you do or what you don't do or what you have or don't have. It's not in those things. Circumstances don't really affect it. It's, it's a whole lot more than that. But when you're broken and in need of happiness, somehow you find it in Jesus. I remember we, we did, a couple years ago, we did a drama on uh, Christmas. It was about how the Grinch stole Christmas. We did a drama, man, it was Hilarious! We have some we have some very funny people here. Some uh, people full of drama here. Hello, and uh, we did that play. But I remember reading the script, uh, the original script of the cartoon, and I was kind of you know the 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 creators they had some some insight. But let me read from that original script. Okay, you might recognize what it's saying here. But but it's it's saying something. It's communicating something. And I remember this part of it, and this is what, what it says. I'm going to read from the script. It says, but this time, this is when, when after the Grinch stole everything from the Who's. Remember that? Stole all their, their roast beast, all that good stuff. This is what it says. When they gathered together uh, down in Whoville, and they began to sing on Christmas Day. 
And so the Grinch says, but this sound wasn't sad. Why, this sound sounded glad. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came somehow. It came just the same. The Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzled and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say, that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And then the true meaning of Christmas came through, and the Grinch found the strength of ten Grinches plus two. Wow, even the Grinch was transformed. We realized that happiness is elusive. You can't take it from somebody. Someone who really is happy, you can't take it from them. It's something that happens. It's hard to define, hard to describe, but you don't find it in stuff. Stuff doesn't affect it. Over a 27-year period, psychologists took these uh, they, they, they gathered together the, the studies that uh, were done in psychology over a 27-year span, and they, and they compared the abstracts, the descriptions of what these studies were about. Over 27 years, 5,000 of them were about anger. 36,000 of them were about anxiety. 46,000 of them were about depression. And over a 27-year period, only 2,000 of them even mentioned happiness. These are the studies that psychiatrists and psychologists did over 27 years. There was a 17 to 1 ratio over negative conversations, over the conversations about happiness. Right? There is no focus on happiness. In fact, I was... As I was studying, I said, you know, let me, let me look at some, some books and let me get some information on happiness. And so I, I looked in, I, I have some books on, on, on counseling. And I'll look at this one, counseling, you know. And look, you know, there's nothing in here about happiness. Book on counseling. Let me, let me get another one. I looked at about five or six books. I couldn't find a section on happiness. People don't talk about it. Christians don't talk about it. Psychologists don't talk about it. Happiness is not about something we do, but about something we either have or we don't have. And what message did Jesus bring to the multitudes? What message did he have for his disciples after spending time among the people in the world? After spending time with them, what message does he bring that we would consider one of the most popular, one of the most important preachings of Jesus in the Bible. It wasn't about, you know, uh, spiritual this or that. It was about 
being happy. Blessed are those who mourn because I am here to meet their needs. Blessed are those who have been searching, have come to the end of themselves. They could not meet their needs. Doctors couldn't meet, people couldn't meet, websites, buckets of chicken. They are still upset, happy, broken. But happy are they today because I am here to meet the need. This is why it's called good news. Have you been sad or lonely or in pain or searching, tormented? Jesus is saying your search is over. Your search is over. You can find happiness in him. Amen. Father God, it's my prayer today that we would redirect the focus of our hearts, the focus of our search, the, the prayer that we pray Lord, that we would cast our, our, our glance, our attention to you. That in you, Father God, we would find the contentment. That you would change our circumstances because you can do that. That you can change the hearts of those that make decisions that affect us. You can do that. Your word says that you steer the hearts of kings like a watercourse that you can turn our circumstances around. Father, I pray this morning that those of us who are lonely, those of us who are in pain, those of us who are tormented, those of us who struggle, and the dynamics in our family are such that we are stressed out, concerned, interceding for those that we love. I pray for those, Father God, whose loved ones are hurting. My God, I thank you that you reveal this story to us that those who bring their neighbors and children and families have found happiness in you. Blessed are those who have mourned because Jesus has come and that this is the message of Christmas. This is the message of the incarnation that all of our searching ends at the coming of Christ. I pray that you would meet every need, Father. God, help us to find the happiness that you've provided. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people say, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Will you stand with me this, this morning? Hallelujah. This morning, I'd like to make an invitation to the altars this morning, an invitation to say in response to what I'm hearing, in response to this Bible story, in response to what I read in the end of Matthew chapter four, because I can see myself there. I can see myself in part of that multitude. Man, if Jesus came to Inglewood, I would be a part of that crowd. If he came to Inglewood, man, I, there are people that I can bring to that crowd. I can come as, as, as a, a person in need. I can come as a person with burdens and needs that, that things don't satisfy. There's, there's things that just don't satisfy the needs that we have in our lives. I could be a part of this crowd. And what if the Bible is true, and if what the Bible is telling me is that I can find everything that I need fulfilled in my life in Christ, that I can find it in Him, man, I would show up. I would be there at the Sermon on the Mount. I would be there to hear, Jesus, what do you have for me? 
I would be one of the crowd if, if, if he was there healing and transforming lives. I would be one of the happy people right there. Jesus, meet me. And so this is what the altar call is about. It's about a time of gathering and saying, you know what, Lord, I've searched. I've searched for happiness in my loneliness. I've searched, Lord God, for happiness in my pain. I've searched for healing. I've searched for contentment and fulfillment and hope. And I've looked for all of those things, but I've come to the very end of myself. The world does not satisfy. Products don't satisfy. The commercials have lied to me. I've tried the chicken. I've tried the, the products. I've tried all those things and I have not found happiness. But if what you say is true, I want to meet you today. I want to meet you today. And the invitation still stands. This is what Jesus talks about. This is what he gathered his disciples. It was a meeting on the spot. Man, I've seen the hurting in the cities here. I've seen the pain in the city here. But I want you to know, blessed are those that hurt because I have shown up. Blessed are those that are lonely because I have shown up. Blessed are the meek, those that are hungry, those that have been merciful. Blessed are they because I have shown up. And if that's you this morning, why don't you come? Come to the altar. Come and pray. Come and meet Jesus. Talk to him here for a moment. Whether you know him or not, come and meet him this morning. Come and have your life changed this morning. Come and talk to the one who loves you, who intercedes for you. Come and meet him. Find a place of prayer. Reach out to him. Lift up your burdens to him. Talk to him for a moment. Just let him know what you need in your life. Let him know that you care for your children. Let him know that you have burdens in your life. Let him know what your needs are, what your pains are, what you're, what you're searching for in life. Let him know he has needs, that you have need in your life. Let him know that you are here, calling out, reaching out. He is here to touch you, here to speak to you this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you.